The Sports Soccer Devon Wave Recast. Any given Sunday, anything can happen. What we think so far. Lakers, were they oversold? Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade Briefcast. Welcome to Briefcast 17 of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade Podcast. And I am so glad you have joined us again. And if you're joining us for the first time, I certainly appreciate you doing just that. Want to uh, inform you guys that Briefcast are just abbreviated sort of solo versions of the podcast when I do not have the special teams unit. Who are the special teams unit? Well, usually it's former NFL linebacker Eddie Robinson. In addition to that, it could be uh, Biscuit, my brother Biscuit, Jordan Wade, also the Silver Fox, Kevin Allen, and sometimes even Kalina. So if you've not had an opportunity to listen to a full-fledged episode, I encourage you guys to do so. Go back and listen to the archived episode. Some of the material is dated, but you get a chance to hear all the bells and whistles of a full-fledged episode. Well, this time out, I have a number of things I want to get into, including the Final Four, some Major League Baseball. Now the baseball season is underway, uh, the NBA, and even a little bit of professional football. I want to remind you guys how you can reach out and touch me at Wade's Word on Twitter, W-A-D-E-S-W-O-R-D, all one word, all lowercase. In addition to that, on Facebook, the Sports Talk with Devin Wade page, and group. All of those are ways to reach out and touch me. And from time to time, I put out poll questions and I certainly tweet all the time. So I'm constantly sending stuff out. And I want to thank all of those folks who contribute frequently uh, on the Sports Talk pages on Facebook or for all of those who retweet and tweet me. So to get started, let's get into a little bit of what's brand new. Brand new, brand new, brand new. Now, brand new is when I get into some things that are not sports related necessarily. So I just sort of a opportunity to share a little bit with you guys before we get hard and heavy into the sports stuff. But you know what? I want to thank everybody for the birthday wishes. Recently had a birthday. I did not mention it to I didn't mention it to anybody. I, and and one of the reasons why is uh, and, and I have shared. So this is not brand new for me to share. But I, my mother passed away a year ago on my birthday. And so this was the first anniversary of her passing, which happened to be on my birthday. And so I had to kind of uh, see how that was going to go. But I got all of your messages. It went well. I'm fine. I probably partook a little bit too much. Well, actually, I did uh, spend my birthday indulging a little bit but not not in a not in a festive way you know not in the way that you like oh yeah man he's had having a blast for his birthday more like he's bitter and <laughs> it was it was not a good day but what i partook in was really really great i mean i really enjoyed that didn't enjoy the next couple of days but my cousins were here and uh, I took the opportunity to sort of, not related to them per se, but I took the opportunity to kind of <laughs> get in over my head and rant and rave about some political stuff. So that's how I spent part of my birthday. But, you know, I got all your messages. I want to respond individually to each one of you guys. So I certainly appreciate that. Also, Sentimental Blue sent us the music last time uh, with the Bring Back the Oilers. So it had me a little country twang in there. I enjoyed that. And hopefully I've gotten some messages. Uh, that a lot of people have enjoyed it. I want, I, hopefully, you guys have enjoyed it too. And I want to remind you guys: if you have music of any kind, and if you're a DJ, if you mix, 
long as, as long as it's radio edit, you guys can send it to me and we'll get it in on uh, for sure on full-fledged episodes. At the halfway point, we'll play a snippet and we'll play the entire track at the end of the episode. Now, sometimes on the briefcast, I do uh, those musical interludes. Sometimes I don't. It just depends on uh, usually if I have a guest or if I have extended content. But I want to thank those guys for that. Hey, man, that sounded good to me. Rodeo just left. I didn't get a chance to go, but that's my country fix. And I'll tell you what, when you guys go to Nashville, to the Grand Ole Opry, I want to go with you. How about that? Nice little Texas country. And, of course, so you know I, I, I enjoy that. I also want to thank all of those who contributed to the KTSU uh, Spring Membership Campaign. But of course, uh, you can catch the podcast on iTunes, TuneIn, SoundCloud, and on KTSU Radio, where I have a Houston show, along with the legend, Ralph Cooper, and the Silver Fox, Kevin Allen. That's Saturday mornings, and that is 8.30 a.m. to 10 a.m., that's Central Standard Time or Central Daylight Time now. So you can catch me every Saturday morning where the show is Houston-centric as it ought to, ought to be. So when I do the podcast, I can talk about anything and everything I want to talk about. So thank you so much for all of those things. And I appreciate, man, for you to make a contribution. And we did quite well. We had uh, some autographed Mike Tyson gloves that we gave away, well, that we we offered as a, uh, a token of appreciation for our uh, for making a certain uh, a $500 contribution or no 250 for each glove. So somebody got both gloves for 500 bucks. And then we had some paintings, uh, some Mike Tyson lithographs or whatever. And we had some Earl autograph Earl Campbell jerseys from University of Texas. And so, yeah, we, we did well. Have one more week of that. But if you made a contribution, I certainly appreciate that. And uh, again, man, the birthday wishes were overwhelming. Had a, a great birthday from that standpoint, from hearing from you guys. And I just want you to know I appreciate all of the love. Well, let's get into it. A lot doing in the world of college basketball. First and foremost, have to congratulate Texas Southern University for making it to the CIT semifinals, the College Insider Tournament. And uh, they lost in two games. The Texas Southern Tigers went to four overtimes. My man Larry the Chatterbox Hill called all the action. They finally lost in the semifinals to Wisconsin Green Bay, the Phoenix. They lost in overtime 87-86, but 24 wins on the season is a program record, so congratulations to Coach Johnny Jones on a great debut. He came in late, and I've had him on the Houston show, and maybe we'll get him on the podcast, but again, he came in late, and he was able to uh, get guys and make it to the finals of the Southwestern Athletic Conference Tournament, where they eventually lost the Prairie View. But again, that postseason run, that college inside a tournament, was a big, big deal. So congratulations to the Texas Southern Tigers. Wish we could have brought it all the way home. Uh, Michael Strahan, a Texas Southern alum, who actually was on the team my first year. He was on Texas Southern. That was his senior year. That was my first year doing sideline for Texas Southern football. And I've been, I'm in my 20, whatever, 26th or 27th year of that. I, I, you do the math on that. So I'll have to figure it out. I always forget. But yeah. So uh, now I do, I do color, but I did, I've done play by play and sideline. So I run the game. But anyway, he was big on Texas Southern as well. Mentioned it on his show. And also a big congratulations to the University of Houston sort of reviving 
memories of Five Slamma Jamma, although this was a very, very different team than the Five Slamma Jamma teams. But Kelvin Sampson has done an incredible job with this team and with this program. I guess the University of Houston is trying to make sure they lock him in. They're trying to offer him a six-year $18 million deal to kind of keep him tied in. I know that there were some suitors, at least there were reports that Arkansas was pursuing him, and I would imagine some other teams too. We'll talk more about that a little bit later on because I have a big dummy uh, this time out, and uh, that comes from the world of college basketball. We'll get into it. But the University of Houston had a great year. They lost to Kentucky, and in that game, trying to get to the Elite Eight, they really had them. They they play well in the second half. They didn't shoot well in the first half, but it just Kentucky was just so big, and they couldn't get any rebounds, couldn't get any offensive rebounds, had a really tough time uh, with the size of Kentucky, and the shooting wasn't there early. And with all that being said, they still had a three-point lead, uh, four, three or four-point lead uh, with like a minute left. And they were very, very close, but just couldn't convert and couldn't get the calls. And uh, they fall to Kentucky. And Kentucky, of course, loses the next time out to Auburn, who upset the University of North Carolina. By the way, my brackets, like everybody else's, are busted wide open. Unlike you guys, unlike most of you guys, I did not have Duke winning at all. And I didn't have Duke going to the Final Four. That uh, region I got right because I did take Michigan State to represent in that region in the Final Four. Michigan State did, in fact, do that. I want to talk about that Elite Eight, too, by the way. the uh, I mean, what a, a great bunch of games. And all of those games were very, very close. And a couple of them were decided in overtime. You know what? Zion Williamson is he's he's what they say he is. He's he has holes. He has work to do. Let's let's just say that he has work to do. But you know that Duke for the season hadn't shot well from the perimeter. They actually shot pretty good in that game. I just thought it was a courageous effort by Michigan State uh, to beat them. But Zion, when he turned it up in spurts, you could see just how special he was and just the caliber of basketball. When you start talking about uh, Izzo, Tom Izzo, and what he's able to do year in and year out, that team just gets better and better as the year as the season wears on and as the tournament wears on. I mean, I'll tell you what, they they did work, and they have some really, really special guys. But you could tell Zion had impact on, around the basket because they had about three or four shots in there, not to mention some um, free throws that they missed that really could have cost them that game. But Duke, who had already dodged bullets in the previous two games, including Virginia Tech, where they really could have had gone into overtime and who knows what would have happened in that situation. But they ran into a buzzsaw in Michigan State. And that being said, they were still right there. Uh, I just saw it, man, the Elite Eight were really, really exciting. Uh, those games were really exciting. Texas Tech, who's really just defensively the best team in the tournament. And they just continue to do work. And uh, I want to send shouts out to my boy EL, who's out there in Lubbock, Texas. And people think, well, hey, this podcast originates from uh, from Texas. I mean, I must go to Lubbock all the time. But, you know, I've never been to Lubbock. Lubbock is about, I don't know, five or 600 miles away. I don't know how far it is. It's far, far away. It's in a different time zone, I believe. I know El Paso is. I think Lubbock is, too. But it's far, far away. And they do their own thing out there in that part of Texas. 
And uh, I want to go to Lubbock one day. I'm going to try to visit Lubbock. I just remember, and, and I know they recruited in my neighborhood quite a bit in football, and they recruit heavy out of the city of Houston. And, uh, of course, they were part of the old Southwest Conference. And I just remember they would throw tortillas at the football games. They would toss them onto the field when something good would happen. So I think they have banned tortillas, uh, going to the games with tortillas. Uh, but the other thing is guns up. So if you see hashtag guns up, and I think they're trying to change that to wreck it or something like that. I don't know what that is about. I'm maybe, I don't know, sensitivity to, to gun references, uh, a la the Washington Bullets, who are now the Washington Wizards. So uh, I don't know. I think it's still, I don't know if they still do guns up, but in my opinion, hey, guns up. And uh, here's a tortilla to you guys for making, making it to uh, the final four. Auburn is the other team. And Bruce Pearl, I like Bruce Pearl. But Bruce Pearl is one of those guys, you know, he's kind of shady. I don't want to just always throw him under the bus. But you know, his former assistant, the rifleman Chuck Person, is facing Fed time behind him, <laughs> doing whatever he did to arrange payments to get students to go to school uh, under Bruce Pearl. So, but again, the guy on top can claim ignorance, I, I guess. I mean, that thing, you know, and I purposely stay away from a lot, a lot of that because there's so much hypocrisy. And I can tell you a couple years ago when the Final Four was in Houston, I had a chance to go Saturday and Monday. And Pre uh, Vice President Joe Biden was there at the time. And uh, all I mean, Michael Jordan was there. It was all, it all I mean, any celebrity you want to name, not any, but a lot of celebrities were there. A lot of basketball, former basketball greats were there. They were recognizing people who were making it into the basketball Hall of Fame or the College Basketball Hall of Fame. I know Cheryl Swoops was there. I mean, just a ton of people. Uh, I mean, everywhere you look, there were basketball players and basketball legends walking around the building. And it just dawned on me because it was in the NRG Stadium. You look around. And there's literally millions and millions of dollars in this building and, and all of the pomp and circumstance that comes with a Final Four. And you look at the guys, the kids that are running onto the court, and they get none of that money. Those coaches get it. And, and, and we've talked about this a lot. It's unfortunate that guys don't get paid, that the, the players don't get paid. And people say, well, no, they get scholarships. That's enough. No, it's not. Not when you generate millions and millions of dollars, billions of dollars for the entire NCAA collectively. But I understand it with Title IX, and then you have schools that don't turn profits. It's going to be a tall task to really ever pay players. I do think they, they can start with uh, allowing players to make money off of their likeness and maybe even their jerseys. And I don't know for sure uh, how that, I mean, and there are ways to cheat with anything. And I think that, you know, you can have a school that'll buy 10,000 Vince Young jerseys before he, you know, during the recruiting process so he can make money. I mean, they can kind of guarantee that we will sell this amount of jerseys. So you're guaranteed a profit if you come to Texas. I'm just throwing that out as, as an example. But think of you know, Baker Mayfield in Oklahoma or and maybe you just say, well, hey, we will give you – you get a percentage for any jersey you sell, and you'll have some big businessman in Oklahoma say, well, hey, I'm going to take 50,000 Baker Mayfield jerseys and guaranteeing the kid a profit. I mean, there's ways to cheat at everything, but I do think that it's unfortunate when you see all of this money being generated for these kids to not be able to – 
to take part in it because like everybody's not gonna make it to the NBA, and unfortunately everybody's not gonna make get a degree, and that's uh, that's on the players. Hey, if you, you're presented with the opportunity. Get the paper. You got to get it. You got to get your your degree and you got to capitalize. But everybody's not going to be able to capitalize. Um, but there are a lot of people who uh, who should be making money because there are a lot of people who never had bounced to basketball that are making hundreds of thousands off of these young men. So anyway, that's an aside. Virginia, I'll tell you what. Tony Bennett last year, he never would have had a chance to come back this year if it was me. I, I would have fired him. He had a number one seed, the first number one seed to ever lose in the opening round to a 16 seed last year to University of Maryland, Baltimore County. I remember I could not get their initial straight. For whatever reason, I could not get the initial straight, but they lost in the first round. Bennett brought Virginia all the way back, and now they're in the Final Four. You got to give them a ton of credit because, I mean, that could have collapsed. I remember thinking they were bets. They were like, this will never ever happen and in the old the really in the old setup of basketball for the one and duns it never would have happened because the number ones were so much better they these were like semi-pro teams for real i mean we we rant and rave about zion williamson and rj barrett and cam reddish and all those guys we and what well look at that team there were three or four of those teams every year and those guys were, were mature. They were grown. They were 21, 22 as opposed to 17 and 18. And, uh, and because these guys had to stay in school a little bit longer. So you never could imagine a 16 beating a one back then. But when the wide open, and really there's no excuse for it now. And that's why Tony Bennett wouldn't, wouldn't have gotten this chance with me. But, I mean, I'm not uh, invested in the Virginia basketball program. Uh, but a great job by him. It's going to be a great, great Final Four. Now, the question is, with the absence of Duke or North Carolina or uh, a couple of other programs, uh, I, I guess potentially Gonzaga, I don't know, without Duke or North Carolina specifically, how much is that going to hurt the ratings? And I tell you what, it's going to hurt it quite a bit. I mean, the ratings will be hit a little bit because nobody has an emotional connection to Virginia or maybe Michigan State or Auburn. And Texas Tech, nobody knows Texas Tech. So I think, yeah, the ratings will be hurt. But at the same time, hey, man, uh, you play it out. This is how it goes. And I have no – I will tell you this. I had a lot of sadness or a lot of anxiety and then disappointment, mild disappointment. And I think it was because University of Houston was playing Kentucky. But I had a lot of anxiety going into that last minute. It was like I was 12 again. And, and I tell you what – I was emotionally invested. I'm not emotionally invested in any of these teams that are remaining. So that hurts a little bit. And I know that there are storylines because Auburn and Texas Tech have never gone to the Final Four. But I tell you, it's not enough to, to boost the ratings. And also, I want to talk about this briefly and before we take a timeout, because I think we're going to take a timeout to halfway point. I want to get into some comments or questions made by uh, Melissa on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade fan page, our group page, actually, on the group page. She said, Devin, I listened to the episode, and I want to ask you a question. I understand that what you said and meant about smaller schools upsetting a tournament. And what I think think she's talking about is when I said that, yeah, the upsets are fun, but then no one wants to see the smaller schools in the Sweet 16. You didn't want to see a, 
I don't know, a Belmont versus a, I don't you name a small school from, you know, somewhere. You wouldn't want to see those teams match up later on because you like the star power of the bigger guy. So that's kind of what I was saying about that. She says, I understand what you said and meant about small schools upsetting a tournament. In general, why is it that smaller schools can't play against bigger schools? If someone is exceptionally talented at a sport, is the message only the bigger schools can further develop the talent? This has always perplexed me. Are there no examples of young people from lesser known schools, smaller schools, who made it or in or at a pro level? Uh, if there are examples, it is the is it the exception and not the rule. Just something that makes me say, hmm. Just to sort of clarify, and, and you know, people love the underdogs, especially you know when you have a passing interest. Here's how it works, because we have this discussion. I have this discussion all of the time um, because, you know, obviously I have a show on Texas Southern radio. And so Texas Southern University has to recruit players like everybody else. And in Texas, you know, you are recruiting against at the highest level, Texas, Texas A&M. And football and basketball are different things. So understand this on the Division One football level. You're competing with some of the biggest programs in the country. It's not that you if you don't play at Texas or Texas A&M or one of the bigger schools that you can't play. It's just that those schools have dedicated themselves. Let's let's take let's go to basketball for example. If you are a kid coming out of high school and you get an opportunity to play at Kentucky or a smaller school, say Mississippi Valley State, well, Kentucky pours tens of millions of dollars just into their basketball program. They probably get 25000 or 22000 a night uh, to watch them play basketball. They have state-of-the-art everything. They pay the, the, the coach is the highest-paid coach in all of college basketball because he gets results, and he also is able to recruit the best guys and get those guys to the next level. Calipari makes $9 million a year. And that program spends so much money. Their budget is so huge compared to a smaller school, say, like Mississippi Valley State. Now, can a player from Mississippi Valley State go to Mississippi Valley State and still make it to the NBA? Well, I I don't know about that. I know you can have the best player in the history of football, or at least one of, in Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice went to Mississippi Valley State and became one of the best, if not the best player in NFL history, I know he's in the discussion. You can talk about Tom Brady. You can talk about Jim Brown. You can talk about a few guys in that conversation as the greatest players to ever play the game. And Jerry Rice is in that discussion. So he came from Mississippi Valley State. But that usually is the exception uh, as opposed to the rule. Now you look at Texas here in, in football. Texas if you're a 17-year-old kid and and you can go anywhere and then you see that locker room and you see that the Longhorns have they, their own network and you go in and you walk and see a wall full of guys who made it to the NFL, you're more likely to get to the NFL in your mind. Now, it doesn't have anything to do with your individual talent because, again, one of the best defensive players in history is Michael Strahan from Texas Southern University. So, yeah, you, that can happen. But if you look at Texas, Texas has 50 guys in the last 10 years that have gone on uh, to play in the NFL. And probably one of the top 
10 running backs in history and Earl Campbell. I would say top five maybe. I'm, I would say number one. Love Earl Campbell. So, you know, these things happen, and you root for the smaller schools, and I'm glad that they are part of it. Um, but, again, when it comes down to having the resources, the money, the fan base, the television deals, all of those things go into why the big schools are are big schools in those sports. And now you look at a program like Gonzaga. I, I don't know anything about Gonzaga. And to me, I mean, it must be – I don't know how big the school is, but they have become dominant in basketball. They're no longer considered a small school. Every now and then you'll have a mid-major like a Wichita State will jump up and, and do something, a butler in, in basketball. And those are, are fun stories as those programs develop. You can develop programs anyway. And I think that's why I said for Texas Southern – in basketball, you can get four or five guys, or maybe three or four, and make a run. But again, you're, it's an uphill battle because you're dealing with programs that have all the resources and all the bells and whistles and support staff and everything else because they invest millions and millions and millions of dollars that smaller programs can't. They just can't do it. So that sort of addresses that. It's not that you don't root for the smaller schools. I think that's one of the appeals of the tournament. Is that hey you could David can beat Goliath? I think that that is the, a huge huge deal. Uh, but the economics of, of college basketball and college football is is skewed anyway. So it's going to be hard for anybody to get it done. So with that, going to take time out. Come back on the other side. Still didn't give you my picks for the Final Four. I'm going to say Michigan State is going to win it all, and we'll be done with that. And uh, we'll talk more about that maybe in an upcoming briefcast. Going to take time. I'll come back on the other side. Talk about Major League Baseball, the NBA, and some pro football. I have a favorite person, which is a new segment we're going to do. And I have a Lamont Award, and Lamont was a big dummy. You're listening to Briefcast 17 of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast on iTunes, TuneIn, SoundCloud, KTSU Radio, or wherever you get your podcasts. Sports Talk with Devin Wade wants to thank our sponsor, Kofi Bankus and CoBank Homes. The vision at CoBank Homes is simple. And it stems from the belief that clients can trust CoBank to guide them to realize one of, if not the single largest investment decision they will ever make, their home. CoBank simply looks to build lifelong relationships through service. They do this by using faith, knowledge, and technology to guide clients through the process of achieving their real estate goals. Be it buying, selling, or investing in real estate, contact Kofi at 832 757 7950. That's 832-757-7950. Cobank Homes through Keller Williams. All aboard your non-stop getaway to the weekend. It's the Friday Express with yours truly, Devin Wade. Each and every Friday from 7 p.m. until 10, where we feature a little bit of this. A little bit of this. And a whole lot of this. End your work week and start your weekend with your non-stop getaway to the weekend. The Friday Express with Devin Wade exclusively on KTSU 90.9, your community station.
Welcome back to Recast 17, the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. And again, want to thank you guys for tuning in. Want to get into some baseball stuff. Couple things about baseball. Baseball opened up. Astros kind of struggling. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll have to see how this goes. We'll have to see about pitching. Gave up eight runs last night to the Rangers. We'll have to see if they can rebound uh, tonight and uh, see what's going to happen. Verlander lost last night. Still early. They got out the gate a little bit slow last year. Uh, so don't worry too much about him. But Bryce Harper, the big news in baseball, Bryce Harper made his return to the Washington Nationals. We've talked about him in previous briefcasts. He signed a 13-year, $330 million deal with the Philadelphia Phillies. And last night, the Phillies went to the Nationals, to Washington to play the Nationals. And again, the Nationals had offered him 10 years for $300 million, and he turned it down and ended up signing late with the Phillies, and, and we've got all into all of that. But Bryce Harper, if you don't know him, yeah, I mean, hey, you got to get into baseball. Baseball is gonna, it's going to be a great year in baseball. Last year was a great year, especially on the American League side. But this is a big, big story. He goes back and goes against Matt Scherzer, and he went three for five last night with a home run and three RBIs. And I tell you what, the eighth inning home run, and that bat flip was so live and disrespectful at the same time. I tell you what, if it's me, Bryce, you better you better wear something on your back because I'm gunning for you. I'm hitting you straight in your back. I'm going right for that hip. And you, you'll get hit today. Uh, and I know, and if you don't understand what I'm talking about, there's unwritten rules that you don't show up the pitcher. And Max Scherzer gave up the oh well no nah, he it wasn't him that gave up the home run he actually gave up only a double to him he struck him out the first couple of times but you you flip the bat against your old teammates like that and the rule says if you showboat you get it somebody's gonna come in on you and br- either brush you off the plate or put one right in your backside and I, hey, for me you gonna, you want to he look he didn't flip the bat like. Jose Batista did in the playoffs a few years ago. He did. He grabbed it in the middle and flipped it. He twirled it. I mean, he was nasty with it. And I tell you, he's really the most iconic player in baseball. He's not the best player. Me, I'm going with Mike Trout. Um, Aaron Judge is a guy that can, I think can do it, be very, very dominant long term. He's started in New York. He's huge. He has ma- massive home runs. He could be a face of baseball, maybe even, I mean, to a lesser extent, you have other guys around the league that can do it. But Bryce Harper is the most popular guy in baseball, if not the best, one of the best. Flashy, he has sort of charisma and style. And like I said, flashy is the word, I would say. But he would get all of the business tonight. And I tell you what, it was embarrassing for uh, the Washington Nationals because late in that game, sort of uh, all of the Phillies fans convened in the right field bleachers and they started chanting uh, for uh, Bryce Harper in their ballpark. It sort of reminded me of a real embarrassing playoff game a few years ago to tw- in uh, 2016 where the Texans hosted the, the Kansas City Chiefs and lost 30 to nothing. And I, I was at that game and I don't know if television properly showed it, but all late in that game, you know, of course, all the Texans fans had left. And with about five minutes left in the game, all of these Chiefs fans come in and fill in the lower bowl. And it was the most embarrassing thing I've ever seen for a home team to be embarrassed by by visiting fans. And uh, it was sort of like that last last night 
And I, I know that that's going to be a great series, not just tonight or moving forward this season, but for years to come, because that we, we don't know a lot about it way out here west, in the west of the Mississippi, but that East Coast kind of thing, they uh, they take their baseball very serious. Philadelphia, New York, Washington, they have a pretty good fan base. Not not like Philadelphia, Boston, all anywhere up there. I mean, fervent, fervent baseball fans, they take it very, very serious. And uh, that was a big, big deal. But you get a chance to check out Bryce Harper, do so. Also, man, there's so many guys to check out. Baseball, and and I know I'm, I'm trying to persuade people to watch baseball because my audience, and I don't get a sense that my audience really, really uh, watches a lot of baseball anymore. We don't. We certainly don't get enough phone calls about it. Even with the Astros, we have a lot of Astros fans. I don't know that we have a lot of baseball fans, and we don't even get as many uh, Astros calls as you might think, although this is a fun, fun team to watch and uh, over 100 wins last year uh, and World Series champs a couple years before that. So uh, we'll have to see what happens. Right now, I want to shift gears, talk a little bit about the NBA. Um, big loss around the league for a lot of players with the death of Nipsey Hussle. And uh, he's a rapper. And you and it really is a uh, a statement about where we are, where celebrity and, you know, athletes and celebrities and entertainers sort of mix. And these guys, uh, it shows you kind of where we are and how intertwined the athletes uh, of the NBA are uh, with a guy like Nipsey Hussle who was murdered in Los Angeles. The impact was really, really big. Everybody from... Uh, from Baron Davis, I saw him uh, comment about it. But cur- current players, Steph Curry and Russell Westbrook, de- dedicated his game 2020. Uh, wrap your mind around this 20 points, 20 rebounds, 20 assists for Russell Westbrook. I mean, just an amazing night. And after all of that, he dedicated it to Nipsey Hussle. Now, I have to tell you, I didn't know. I'd heard the name, and I saw the GQ GQ spread. Knew very little about him. I'm not exactly the demographic that they are going for. Um, But, uh, yeah, I've made myself. I looked him up. I made myself familiar with who he was and uh, how he moved. He seemed like a guy that had really done some, uh, on his way to doing bigger things. He had done some nice things in the community. Uh, but it was just uh, something that was interesting to look at with the NBA uh, and how many put LeBron made mention of it. So many guys knew him and had talked to him personally. I think they said DeMarcus Cousins uh, was listening to him on the way to the game, uh, not knowing that he had gotten shot and killed. But just a sad, another sad loss uh, with a guy who really was saying and doing all the right things and was real about it and uh, sort of was trying to take care of his community. Um, but it was just, a, I think, an interesting statement about the world of sports colliding with the world of uh, rap and, and entertainment. So, I mean, it's gone on forever, but this is sort of a, a snapshot of where we are today uh, with the blending of uh, how these guys sort of move and are intertwined. And, and a lot of guys are doing a lot of good, uh, whether it's LeBron James or Nipsey Hussle. Uh, so guys are really doing work. And uh, with five games left, as an aside, to that five games left in the season roughly give or take depending on your team we're getting ready for the playoffs want to know what you guys hit me up on the sports talk with Devin Wade page or group let me know the first round matchup you're most looking forward to I would say I would look at maybe maybe just maybe Golden State Oklahoma City 
Although these things can change, everybody's jumbled in there together. Uh, at the bottom, maybe San Antonio, Golden State. We'll have to see how it plays out. But uh, give me your idea about that. And then give me your thoughts on LeBron shutting it down with five games and just how, you know, he. I hate to harp on him again, but I, you just have to. And he's doing great things, and he's doing Space Jam. I've heard so much about this damn Space Jam, too. I'm sick of it already, and I don't know that they've shot a frame in this movie yet. But I tell you what, he's getting geared up for that. This was a this really hurt the entire NBA this season, and it all boiled down to the Anthony Davis demands. And again, that was LeBron's crew, that was his team, that sort of you know Rich Paul. They I, I, again, this is just me on the outside. I don't know, but it seems to me that they took negotiations public and put Anthony Davis out there, and that essentially ruined his season, that ruined New Orleans' season, that ruined the Lakers' season. It, it was just a bad, bad thing, and he, uh, LeBron shuts it down, only playing 55 games. I'm telling you, I don't think, I don't think he's going to bounce back from this again. I don't know that he'll ever make it out of the second round of the playoffs. And again, you never know who he, he'll be playing with, but I don't get a, a sense that there'll be a lot of movement, a lot of big-name free agents. Uh, so I think we've seen the best that we're going to see. It's like the, sort of how Kobe came to an abrupt end with injuries and stuff like that. I don't know if we'll see that with LeBron, but we saw it this year. Uh, but I just think that, man, the structure of that team going into it wasn't good. What they tried to do and ruining the morale of the team wasn't good. Anthony Davis didn't come, probably won't come. I don't think Kawhi is coming. So we'll have to see, but there's a lot of basketball. And, and the, the Golden State Warriors, by the way, are turning into a team. They, they, they're not the bad guys, but I think that people are have a little bit of Golden State fatigue. And I think uh, they will complain a lot. There's a lot of bickering. I don't. I know that Kevin Durant is not the most likable guy uh, in the world, and you know, Marcus Cousins is not exactly likable. Steph is, you know, he's on the team, and, and they do what they do. But I think there's a little bit of Golden State fatigue. Although I, I don't know that anybody can beat them, other than maybe the Rockets. But I don't believe in them either. So we'll have to see. So we can comment on that and get in on that, and uh, we'll have to see. What happens with that? Uh, in football news, the AAF, the Alliance American Alliance Football League, shuts down after eight weeks, and that's unfortunate because again, you want you don't want this wasn't about competition for the NFL. This is more like a, a sort of a supplement, you know, during the spring when there's not a lot going on. Uh, in the winter months, you still can get some football because uh, I think it started in January. I guess I had to start in February, January, or after the Super Bowl. It just didn't work out. And I root for those leagues because I root for the guys that are playing, for guys that have an opportunity to try to extend their careers. And we see, I mean, maybe we'll see some guys from this league get another shot. Um, but just to see guys continue to fight for their dreams to try to make it happen, I was rooting for that league. You had the XFL coming up. Uh, and they said that the AAF, AAF is uh, is just on hiatus and they're trying to look for alternative funding. Uh, but they had everything there. They had a nice TV deal. They had high-profile coaches. They had some names, including Johnny Manziel. And it just didn't work out for them. And that was really, really unfortunate. But uh, we'll have to see what happens going forward. Uh, do you want to see another supplemental league in the spring? Not a competitive league. 
but something that was as complimentary, unlike uh, minor league football, as it were, high-profile supplemental football, as it were. Uh, let me know about that as well. Give me your comments on that. Now I want to do a segment, a brand-new segment that we call My Favorite Person. You're my favorite person. Now, my favorite person is not to be confused with a hero because we already have a hero segment and we already have a Lamont Award. But my favorite person is somebody that did something that I got a kick out of this week or in the, since I come to you last. This award goes to Keenan Allen, wide receiver for the Los Angeles Chargers. Seems as if Mr. Le'Veon Bell went to social media with a brand new rap song and he asked the world, hey, Pump it or dump it. Well, <laughs> before anybody got a chance to say pump it or dump it, Keenan Allen chimed in and said, hey, now, nah, dog, this ain't it. Like, your, your song is trash. And he dissed him on Twitter, and Le'Veon got in his feelings a little bit. He said, oh, man, you could have just sent me a text. You had to do your boy like that, but that's cool. It's all good. But Keenan Allen, for you doing that, man, this week, and not that I have anything against Le'Veon Bell, but, you know, we've been for years, starting with Shaq, we've been having at least try to be rappers, and most of them are really, really horrible. And for once, one of their peers told them the truth, and that was Keenan Allen, and that is why this time out, you are my favorite person. You're my favorite person. Now it's time for... The Lamont Award. I don't want to wish you no bad luck, but I hope your ship sinks. With no lifeboats and no life preserver and a school of piranhas surrounding you, you big dummy. Now, the Lamont Award goes to a big dummy in the world of sports. Either a player, person, organization, group, somebody who's done something stupid that needs to be recognized for it because uh, Fred Sanford's oldest boy, only boy, Maybe yet. Well, for why we thought he had a sister, uh, but Fred Sanford's oldest boy, Lamont, was a big dummy. Well, this time it goes out to the legendary UCLA basketball program. Of course, when you think UCLA basketball, you think John Wooden and Lou Alcindor and uh, Bill Walton and Walt Hazard and Ed O'Bannon. Even way, 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 way later on. Uh, but, I mean, it's great, great basketball. Sort of the Boston Celtics of college basketball dominated the game. John Wooden dominated college basketball. Not a more illustrious program for the first part of, uh, I guess, for the first 60 or 70 years of the 20th century. So when you, you think about a program like that, trying to get on top, you have all the resources. You can do whatever you want to do to get on top. And so you go out and you say, how can we rebuild this program? They go out and try to find the best coach in basketball to turn that program around. So who do they go looking for? One John Calipari, who we talked about earlier in the show, who happens to be the highest paid coach in college basketball, making $9 million a year. So here comes UCLA. They come to Corden. And Kentucky says, well, you know what, That's, we'll let you talk to him. But how about this? How about we extend your contract 
by 10 years and then give you a lifetime deal where you can be like an ambassador or something for the program. So essentially they have given John Calipari a lifetime contract. That's how they responded. But that in itself is not, that doesn't make UCLA big dummies. What makes them big dummies is they come in and they offer Calipari $8.2 million per season. Well, John Calipari is making nine point two in twenty nineteen. So I don't know what who in the hell you think you are that a man is going to take a million dollar pay cut to go coach at UCLA when you are at Kentucky, the mecca of college basketball. It's, it's Duke, North Carolina, Kentucky. Okay, that's that's what we are. It's, it's Duke, Carolina, Kentucky. That's it. Those three. That's the those are the premier programs, and Calipari has this program. He's had results. He's won. He's won titles. He's put guys in the NBA. He's done it all. He's doing it all, and for a fan base that absolutely loves him. But LA thought, or UCLA thought, because they're UCLA in LA, that oh yeah, he'll take a million dollar pay cut. Well, you know what, UCLA and Bruin, the Bruin basketball program, you are. Big dummy. You big dummy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that will do it. But before I let go. Before I let go, hey, want to thank you guys for all your support. Want to remind you guys to tweet me at Wade's Word, W-A-D-E-S-W-O-R-D. Want to thank Kobe Holmes for their support and their underwriting. Want to remind you guys to stay tuned for future episodes where you can get full-fledged episodes with either Eddie or Biscuit or myself, and uh, we'll be doing more of those. But the briefcasts, they'll come a little bit more rapidly so we'll try to get those out to you so I can comment on things timely. Uh, again, Facebook, uh, Sports Talk with Devin Wade page and group has some other fun stuff coming up for you guys. And as always, have a great day. <laughs>